0: it. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Loves it. I love it. Comedy is my favorite. I come from a very, very sarcastic family. Very loud, but very funny and sarcastic. Always been the butt of jokes. Always get made make fun of. But, damn it, I love it. There's nothing wrong with it. I think it, it builds some character to you. If you're able to withstand some of the jokes thrown at you over time, I think it makes you kind of a... Uh, Kind of a tough person internally. You can take anything. I see the laughter in just about everything. I like to keep life a little bit lighter. If you've personally talked to me, you know that the majority of things that I say are sarcastic or in a joking manner. But comedy has always been there for me. I love comedy. I love comedy movies. I love comedy podcasts. I love stand-up. I was born in 1988. So growing up through the 90s, I mean, we had Chris Farley, Robin Williams, Jim Carrey, Dane Cook, David Spade, just to name a few, right? Had amazing movies, but that's why my next guest, he is a comedian and a former pro wrestler, which is super interesting. But he starred in many films such as Star Wars, Obi-Wan, ABC Station 19. Rock of Ages with Tom Cruise, and Fury Fortune, which does premiere in 2023. And in addition to acting, he also does stand-up across the country. He has built up a TikTok following of over a million followers. No big deal. So I'd like you to help me welcome Mr. Shane Heartline. If you smell some la, la 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 what the Shane Heartline is cooking. What's up, man? Thanks for popping by,
1: Shane. That that was quite the introduction. Do you <laughs> do you have permission to use that catchphrase? Or did that's you get written permission? <laughs> no. So
0: this show is ending quicker than it started.
1: It's okay. Give me give me another off the top of your head uh intro. Just what what
0: do you got? <laughs> that,
1: mm, that that's also copywritten. <laughs> okay. This is off to a very bad start. Oh but my hey, God. hey, it's not my show that's gonna get sued, so it's okay. How about a I'm little joking. help, you got anything for me? Um, how about you know something? I'm just I'm just riffing here, man. But he's the best actor in the world. He's the funniest <laughs> comedian in the world. You know, I don't know. These are things you told me in private. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. The
0: best actor in the entire world. The most funny comedian you've
1: ever heard, Mister Shane. Heartline. You see, that's how you do it. And that way you know that you won't be sued. And and everybody listening at home, these are things that Jay has told me in private. So these aren't things that I'm, I'm forcing him to say. You're
0: not going to sue me, right?
1: I'm not going to sue you, no. Because these are <laughs> facts. And these are <laughs> it's
0: it's public facts. domain. Shane, for starters, man, comedians are my favorite people. I mean, we, we can bullshit. Most of you guys think outside the box. You can take jokes. You can dish them out. Just I'm pretty I feel sensitive. Like a, I'm, more, <laughs> I'm usually more comfortable like being around you guys. I could be myself, but I run with a, a bunch of sick, sick, funny people who who I call my friends. And, you know, everyone's probably confused as fuck to why the introduction did start off with wrestling, but you used to be a professional
1: wrestler. Yes, yes, I was a wrestler f- for a very, very hot second. Um and then I and then I found out quickly <laughs> Uh, you know, as choreographed in a stage as it is, it is, it's still very physical. Um, I found out very quickly, I, uh, I just like the theatrics and the storytelling. And I, and I always, in the back of my head, I told myself, I'm only doing wrestling to become an actor. Uh-huh. Now, that can happen. That is obviously clearly a route but it is a tough route to do that and um this little thing called youtube popped up and that that's what really took my focus and and then everything kind of snowballed from there got my first agents started auditioning and the rest is history well you still
0: kind of incorporate wrestling into some of your bits i was i was looking at your page and you had jason power slam (laughs) you
1: mm-hmm
0: that's got to be brutal i mean that would what was that on lollipops like dump dumdums, i think
1: oh oh i for dude for a second i was like jason uh i forgot oh, yes yeah, so, sorry <laughs> you, no 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 no, it's all good so yeah that was in a comedy show i did and yeah he <laughs> it was a halloween comedy show and i had this what i what i called a halloween trick-or-treat death match and Oof. he poured dum-dums on the stage and he body slammed me onto it and um i always like to i always like to incorporate like wrestling into my comedy shows as much as i as as much as i possibly can now you can't you can't do body slams at every comedy theater but oh i try
0: how'd that feel on your body man just watching that i was like good lord man i mean
1: that's you know you gotta be like a stuntman to do stuff like that well with wrestlers you kind of once you're well with wrestling when you're doing it regularly your body gets kind of used to it now i'm not doing it as regularly as i used to yeah but you do learn how to you part of wrestling is it's like basically like stunt training you you start you start to learn how to take the impact you learn how to to fall somewhat safer um what was i gonna say but yeah, yeah. So I mean that the, it's funny, the fall, like my back felt fine, mm-hmm. but for some reason I, I went a little, I led with my elbow a little bit and my elbow took a brunt of the impact. Oh um, man. So that's, that arms was actually a thing. Yeah. My elbow still actually, that was in October and my elbow, something must've happened cause I still have issues. Yeah, man, there was no give on that
0: stage. I mean, that's no. why wrestlers are like so prone and addicted to to painkillers and steroids. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that hundred kind of percent. That goes hand in hand because it's so much force on your body. But at least you're at least you're out of that for momentarily. Maybe you'll have a route back. Who knows? Right?
1: Yeah, maybe we'll see.
0: <laughs> Did you watch a lot of wrestling growing up?
1: Oh yeah, I still do. Big fan. Yeah. <laughs>
0: okay. So one of the the things that stick in my head whenever I think about wrestling is, and let's see if you know what I'm talking about. There was a Royal Rumble, and I believe it was John Cena and maybe Batista, but they both fell out of the ring at the same time.
1: Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. And
0: then Vince McMahon came out, and he ran into the ring, and he dove in there, and like (laughs) tore both both of his quads. quads, Uh Uh Uh-huh, (laughs) uh-huh. He just has Pretty to entertaining. the ring.
1: <laughs> Pretty entertaining.
0: Yeah, man. So how did we transition from your wrestling days into comedy acting? Because you already mentioned that you liked it for the, the theatrics. But Definitely. What, was, what was the start for comedy and
1: acting? Yeah, so I started making content like – it might sound silly because – I'm a kid of the nineties. Um, but I started making content when I was 10 and the cameras Whoa. were very different back then, obviously, but like I would shoot comedy sketches. I would just recreate, you know, things I had seen in television and film and, but uh, it never left my house. It would just be like, we I, anybody that came over to my parents' house, I'd force them to sit through these videos and watch things. But like I said, when I was wrestling, YouTube started. And when I discovered YouTube, it just blew my mind. Because yeah. before YouTube, like, you could post, you could put videos online, but it was just so difficult for people to consume them. Um, that Real quick, when, what
0: year were you born? Because I'm trying to think if we're around the same age. 1986. You Okay, I'm 88. So it was around, okay, cool. yeah. Okay, I know, yeah, yeah, so I know what
1: you're talking about. Yep. When YouTube started, it, like to the ease of which you could post videos and, and people consume them just blew my mind. And I immediately jumped on YouTube and started doing what I had already been doing, which was making nice. comedy sketches. And I was one of the first people that was really doing, I mean, there were a couple other people, but one of the very few that were doing comedy sketches and jackass type stuff on YouTube. And, right. um, and from that, I, I, from that, I started getting interest in like TV shows, wanting to use our clips. There was even like Carson Daly was even trying to do some kind of America's Funniest Home Videos type TV show. And we were, we were, we were attached to that TV show. And dude, I didn't know what, what was happening, but I, I knew that, oh, this YouTube stuff could, could be a gateway for me into the, into the business. Yes. So from YouTube, I got my first theatrical agent and I was able to audition and I started booking commercials and Whoa. little, little things here and there. And Through YouTube? Well, no. So from, through YouTube, I got an agent and an agent discovered me off of YouTube. So just and by then... watching your
0: clips, cause you were putting out content and he just stumbled across what you were putting out, contacted uh-huh.
1: you? Uh-huh. Wow. And then from there, you know, with an agent, you get auditions. And so I got my first agent in like 2007, 2008. And then in 2011, I booked the feature film Rock of Ages. And that kind of in a small way, but in a big way, changed my life because I had suddenly I suddenly had all this money that I had never, ever had before. And I was like, well, I can either stay in Florida (laughs) <laughs> and waste it. I mean, not waste it, but you know what I mean. Or I could take it and I could do what I've always wanted to do and give the Los Angeles thing a shot. Yeah, and I've been here almost twelve years. You put a bet on yourself. I did.
0: That's awesome. I mean, that I think that. Well, how old were you when you got into this money? What age? That was twenty-four. You're okay. Okay, so you had some some now because when you're. When you're like a child star, shit goes wrong, like really, really wrong. And we see it all the time. It can, it can, it can. Yeah. And like 11, 12, and you come into millions of dollars and you don't have a a manager for your money. Like they do dumb stuff or or the parents take it and be sketchy Uh with it. It How are your, how are your parents with all of this?
1: Well, they were great. And like, don't get me wrong. This was more money than I'd seen, but we're not talking. No. Yeah. Millions, I, yeah, yeah, but it was enough for me. It was way more than I had mentally set aside that I needed to make, to make a jump to Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, so, but they were very supportive. Like, you know, they, uh, they've always been very supportive of every venture, every crazy dream that I've ever had. And you know, it was very tough because I'm very close to my family. So moving to Los Angeles was a very tough, tough thing. And um, but it paid off. You know, that money went very quick, though, because, I mean, I was young and I definitely like I <laughs> liked throwing drinks back with some friends. And um, and I had a good time those first few years in Los Angeles. But, you know, it's, it's an expensive city and it's only getting more expensive. So you really you really do have to formulate somewhat of a game plan. If you want to try to make it out here.
0: Yeah. Do you think that's the hardest part for let's say someone that's getting into acting and they're going to make that move to California, to Hollywood, LA, the, would the hardest part be the first couple of months to years? Because essentially what you're doing is networking and that's going to cost a shitload of money if you're going out there and trying to meet people getting drinks and you know, yada, yada, yada. would you say that could be the hardest part when starting that? You mean financially? Financially.
1: Yeah, I mean, everybody's on a different case-by-case basis, but, you know, I've seen different people. I've seen one friend come out here with, like, not even a 1000 bucks, and she's like, I've got three weeks to try to make it, and that (laughs) did not happen. But, I mean, everybody's cases are different. Like, some people come out here with a lot of steam, and the game is different with TikTok and, you know, social media and stuff. It's like, yeah, that stuff was happening when – when I moved out here, but not on the level that it's happening now. Yeah. People, you know, can make it, here's the thing. You can be living in a small town, you can blow up big on TikTok. Yep. but, and then like people will be like, come to Los Angeles. you have all these opportunities knocking on the door? But it doesn't matter if things are knocking on the door. You have to have the talent to be able to step through. And if you don't have the talent to step through the door, you being out here, it doesn't make a difference. It doesn't make a difference if you're here or if you're in another random city. Like you, you have to be talented yeah, to handle opportunities that can come to you. Right. So it doesn't matter what part of the journey. You know, when I first moved out, yeah, I was obviously talented enough to book that feature. But there were in many ways, you know, I was still very green to the business. And when I moved out here, I found that out very quickly. Like because of the momentum of that feature, I got with a bigger agency and and I was uh, able to get auditions for things I had never auditioned before. But my acting ability didn't meet the opportunities yet that were starting to come to me that early. So there was this thing that happened for me that I came out the gate real hot, but maybe a bit too quickly. And then I feel like I've finally caught up to myself now. Like I'm back. I'm starting to get these, especially these past few years with all the things that have happened for my career. I'm starting to get like those kinds of op- opportunities again. Yep. Um, and I feel like my acting ability is finally meeting them. That's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Just consistency. Consistency, you have to have drive. You have to actually want it, which it sounds like from the get-go, you wanted this.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Yeah, and I think with some TikTokers and some Instagram people nowadays, I it just seems like I call it TikTok mentality. They want to do the least amount of work and get the richest as possible. And that's a that's a problem, I see.
1: Well, that 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 can be with any business or anything. Mm. Um, but yeah like i said it doesn't matter like there's just so much content out there there's so much content out there and and it's very easy to get an audience these days but you can get an audience but once you get to the dance can you prove yourself you know
0: yeah you see a lot of people trying to catch lightning in a bottle twice so some people will will have like content they made and they it's a million views or whatever it goes viral but then everything else they post after that never seems to to recapture that and it seems like they keep trying and trying and trying and a lot of times it doesn't look natural and it it just comes off as trying too hard
1: yeah sure i mean i think that the that applies to many things that for content specifically i think You know, I'll use myself as an example. When I first blew up on TikTok, it was because of these certain baby bodyguard videos. Baby bodyguard. I started started making many, many baby bodyguard videos. And then I got to a point where those numbers weren't – the numbers weren't continuing to go up. They started to decline. And so I like started experimenting with new ideas. And then eventually new things hit with people. And you just have to do that. You have to constantly – try new things. You got to yep. you it, TikTok's interesting because there are certain studies and certain case by case basis where people can continue to do the thing that made them popular on TikTok. But I always think it's so important to like start to try to trickle in uh different like, things, especially get out so of you your can content test. or your comfort Yeah, zone. content. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like you know what I mean? Like, so for me, I know like certain characters were uh, whatever, but then I'm constantly trying to test other things because you can't just rest on your laurels. You have, you have to try new things. And that, 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 that is a, that's a testament yeah. to the whole entertainment business. There's like <laughs> it really is. So many people like all these cash grabs were sequels and sometimes sequels work or sometimes like, Oh, 20 years later, they're finally making a sequel. It's like, Oh, that's so tricky. Like you can't recreate the magic of some things.
0: Yeah, yeah. In Hollywood, we saw a lot of that. Just like what seemed like a masterpiece, all of a sudden they're making all of a sudden a remake of it. And you're just like, why, why, why the hell are you Mm -hmm. making a remake? There seems Mm -hmm. to be so much copy and paste artists, like in on social media specifically. Like everyone tries to to copy and then make it their own. Like I can do this better, so. So they copy what they see, something that went viral, but they're doing it just them, I suppose. Which
1: Yeah, I mean, what it, what it, boils, yeah, what it boils down to, I think, is like, what do you want to do in this business, in any business? Like, if you're in this business, like, oh, I'm in this business, like, I want to create art. I want to create things that make people feel something. Like, I want to yeah. create films that people... Whether I'm, whether I'm making the film or whether I'm in front of the camera, I want to make pieces of art that people will talk about. Like, I still talk about Jurassic Park, the original film, or that's just an example. Oh, hell yeah. Or, or there's another lane, you know, where if you're just trying to grow an audience and make money online, that's very easy to do. If like, yeah, oh, this formula of like an example, Mr. Beast, somebody, like so many people on YouTube recreate Mm -hmm. that mr Beast style of video and fine go for it but is that art is that to me i don't know like you know if you're just doing the same thing someone else does but yeah i mean that that's an even deeper subject when you start (laughs) like going (laughs) you know like when you start thinking about music and like okay there's genres of music is there now genres of youtube styles of like is, is mr beast the example we're, we're talking about is he has sty- very interesting in a genre, you know? So it's, yeah. Art is changed so much so quickly in the past 15 years. Um, and it's only going to get more crazy and different. And with all these like, what's the AI, next frontier? Yeah. With AI starting to happen. It's like, it's happening. So he scares me,
0: man. That scares yeah. me because, they're like able I saw what's it Morgan Freeman have you seen this video it was Morgan Freeman like speaking perfectly sounded like him but it was not him it was AI interesting. generated interesting creepiest shit I've ever seen I don't like seeing stuff like that
1: yeah I get I get it there's parts of it that are scary obviously with a you know I think we've been painted kind of a narrative that it, AI is eventually going to be the, the enemy of us and
0: like Terminator
1: yeah and, and <laughs> it could be but all I ever, all I know is I don't want to kind of fall by the wayside of not, of, I want to, I don't want to end up like my boomer parents and not yeah, know how no, to like you're use it. Right. I always want to, I always want to stay on top of things like this. If they offer you a
0: chip to put in your head to make you smarter, to be attached to the internet, are you doing it? <sighs> don't,
1: no, I don't. <laughs> I, don't I don't
0: know but listen man if you if the majority of the people do it you're going to be way behind then
1: you will be that boomer it all depends i think i'm definitely not going to be a test subject i'm definitely not going to do the <laughs> first i'm definitely not driving the first henry ford car here
0: shane we'll um, give you 2.1 million dollars just <laughs> be the second test subject come on i mean I, I might, cash is in the suitcase just take i it. might
1: um come on no i think that it all depends i think like i I mean clearly the evolution of humans if you want to get even deeper i think is heading in that direction i think we're going to evolve into human hybrid machine creatures eventually and of course this is the first step it's happening
0: if we don't get blowed up by an an asteroid or you know an Mm. emp or whatever sure right right now i feel like we are we're cyborgs because everyone has like their phone is a part of them it's right? already happening it's already happening definitely Oof, god i got deep it
1: happens <laughs> sometimes you i think you're it.
0: right though man like w- with the genres like for art i never thought about that and that that actually opened my eyes i think you're spot on have have you thought of it that deep before
1: i haven't i haven't you know like- wow yeah, that I mean, just riffing could, it again. Yeah, you could look at it that yeah. way. I guess, like you know, there's different genres of YouTube type videos. So, are we to judge somebody that replicates the Mr. Beast genre? You know, it's a deeper thing to think about.
0: What do you do to stay creative?
1: Hmm. I think the quickest. My gut is telling me to the answer to that question is I just don't, I don't stop creating. If I, if I have an idea, if I have an impulse, I usually see it through. Like if I have an ideas, you know, I've made many things that have never worked, you know, but I've had some ideas that have been very successful. And I think that I just, if I don't, if I have an idea, if I have some kind of, creative impulse like if i don't make it in some capacity it will eat eat away at me
0: yes i know what you're talking Um,
1: about so i think that keeps me creative it's it's a muscle you know i think the other things keep me creative consuming uh movies Mm -hmm. going to comedy shows performing yeah it's just a muscle going to acting classes just, there's so many different types okay, of things. Okay, so you you do a lot. You're
0: not just a couch potato chilling all day and- Dude, um, I
1: never chill. I chill when I fall asleep. That's the shit. <laughs> only time, truthfully, usually, most days, the only time I like, okay, wind down, time to watch something on my cell phone Yeah, is when I'm going to sleep.
0: Do you have a hard time falling asleep just because of- you know, probably how your mind works. Like you're so creative and and you want to jump on these ventures that you think about in your mind. Do you, do you find it hard to fall asleep? Are you pretty good at that?
1: Yeah. Some days, some days it it, it truthfully can be kind of difficult. Like, yeah. Yeah. Especially if I'm excited about something, it's usually, it's, it's coupled with excitement. Like if I'm, if if I'm excited about a project or if I'm going to set the next day, like, yeah, it, it, it can be kind of difficult and some nights it takes me forever to fall asleep. Sometimes I, you know, use a little, uh, earth grown product mm. to help mm. assist that. But I don't, I don't try to use that every evening cause it's easy to get, you know, kind of used to wanting to use things like that. But sometimes, you know, you, you got to like, especially in the world we're in, like the world we're in is like nothing
0: wrong shane (laughs) Sick,
1: Um, (laughs) but i mean the world we're in we're there's just so much simulation we are genuinely test subjects with all these things cell phones all these things all the wi-fi signals like all this stuff yeah that it is sometimes impossible to shut our brain off really yeah especially as quickly as we kind of need to to fall asleep like some people can do it though. Like my fiance can lay down and in 20 minutes she's falling asleep, fall, fall asleep, deep you're sleep. So and I'm like, I <laughs> don't know. I don't know how she does it. <laughs> Just wake um, her up. Like, <laughs> you're not sleeping not till I fall asleep. asleep. <laughs> That's right. So,
0: okay. Let's say you're falling asleep and you're kind of like in that, that state of like, you're about to to start rumming, Like you're about to fully fall asleep, but then, all of a sudden you get this brilliant idea of like for a skit or a joke or something. It just, it seems so brilliant. And you're so tired. You're like, ah, I should really write this down, but fuck, I'm just so tired. Maybe I won't. Do you wake up and write down whenever you have those, those brilliance? Every time,
1: every time. Yes. Every time. And I think it's so important that you do because usually when your brain's in that state, that's when you genuinely come up with some of the most, Yes. Your best ideas. And yeah. sometimes, like I said, when I take like these earth-grown products, it can open <laughs> creative parts of my brain yes. that I, hadn't, I have never had open before. And it's literally like the flip of a coin. Some nights it just helps me fall right asleep. Other times it opens a creative part of my brain. Yep. And maybe it was like some part of me needed that part open because there was an idea there. And some of the best ideas I've come up with have been at three in the morning when I'm trying to fall asleep and my fiance will oftentimes wake up and see me just like typing away in my notes on my cell phone because it's just like, boom, 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 boom. All these ideas are hitting me. And then I, the way I look at it is, yeah, I might be a little tired the next day, but I wouldn't have had that idea had I fallen asleep.
0: I agree. I do the same exact thing. And it's so funny, man. Like they just, because if you don't write this stuff down, you're going to forget it. You will not remember. You won't. Mm. It's the craziest thing. It just disappears forever. Like you entered this realm, you, you tapped into this frequency and it Mm. just comes and you better, you better grab that while you're in that frequency. Otherwise perishes. Yeah, definitely crazy into the ether. Yeah. I, I think it's a disservice not to act on those ideas um, that, that you do. So props to you, Shane, keep, oh, keep thanks, it up, man. man. That's Thank awesome. You. Um, I wanted to jump back to the rock of ages. I just want to, you know what, like any film in, in general that you get an audition for, like, uh-huh. what is the, what is the process? Like, is it stressful? Like, how do you prepare for that? Just, I, I want to know the process of all
1: of that. Yeah. I mean, it all, there's so many factors. There's yeah, the exactly. factors that play our how many days do you have until the audition is is due to the casting? Can we um, use uh, Rock pages? of Ages
0: as as an example, so it, it might be a little bit easier for you to kind of like pick and grab? Well, and live Rock back of in Ages was a very unique example. Okay. <laughs> yeah. it, was,
1: it was it was very much unlike any other audition process I have had to this point. Perfect. <laughs> so the Rock of Ages in particular, the audition. The first audition I did was a self-tape in April, Uh-huh. April, 2011. I didn't get a callback audition, which is the second audition. Yeah. I want to say until mid-May. So there was like a month. Oh, Jesus. And then at the end of May. Yeah, I think it was. So I had an audition for one part. I got a callback for another part. And then they invited me and like a couple, a very small group of very small name actors to the table read to read because there was a lot of little bit parts in the movie. So they they brought a handful of Florida-based smaller name actors to the table read to read all these bit parts. And I was one of them which was a great sign, but I still didn't know that I, I I hadn't gotten word if I had booked it yet. So this was also another audition type scenario.
0: Is so that, I've gotten um, like not a, that's kind it's of not abnormal. very, not
1: tra- Not traditional. Yeah. That's not, not really the traditional way it works. Usually if you book something, um, you then get invited to the table read based on the part that you booked. Yeah. Yeah. This was just, I mean, this might be the case, but I had, I have yet to experience anything like this since, um, so I went up to the I went to the table read. I'm sitting next to Paul Giamatti, Brian Cranston, Russell Brand, Tom Cruise, Catherine Zeta-Jones, all these massive, <laughs> massive actors and actresses. And I'm sitting here reading all these bit parts in this movie. And truthfully, one of the most intimidating experiences of my life. I could it not be heightened by having to pee the whole time. Oh man. <laughs> and I'm not going to get up and pee. And I'm not going to be the, the one hair. person that goes and pees. Right. You want uh, yourself. But dude, literally I I read scenes with like Tom Cruise and all these people and then the funniest thing happened at the end of the end of the shoot, the casting director came up to me and she tells me, "You know, the director isn't thinking about using you for this the part that you originally read for. And I'm like, in my head, I'm like, I blew it, I knew it, I blew it. They they could tell I was terrified. I should have just pissed. I should have just used the bathroom. But she she then said, but he's thinking about you having you uh, having you play this other part, Jimmy the bartender. And in my head, I'm like, again, my imposter syndrome kicks in. And, so, and then it's like, I'm like, I, audibly, I was like, okay, that sounds great. But internally, I was like, oh, it must be a non-speaking part. It must be yep. a background
0: feature background, part. Yeah.
1: But then I found out a couple of days later, in fact, it was a bigger part. The director actually did like me. And I was going to be working for an entire month on this movie. Which, hey Lord, origi- man, amazing. yeah, originally was going to be like a three-day shoot. Ended up being an entire month on this movie because yeah, I was in one scene in that movie, but I played the the head bartender. So they put me in every shot that took place in the bourbon room in rock of Ages. you, you know, upgraded. so I was needed quite a bit. Um, but uh, yeah, again, let me just make an example. Cause that process of the audition was a very non-traditional uh, way it's done. And today with, after COVID, Most auditions are virtual. Most auditions are self-tape. I haven't had an in-person audition since 2019. Um, Wow. uh, Everything I've booked since then, uh, Star Wars, Station 19, everything has been self-tape. Jeez. But now the process, like I said, it all depends. It all depends on how many days you have till you have to turn back in your audition. It depends on how many pages you have to memorize. It depends on how much work and prep you need to do. And it's really a case by case basis. Cause if it's a bigger audition, like my star Wars one was, I'll usually get a coach. I'll put a little extra work into it. But if it's a smaller part, you know, I might not that I never take an audition seriously, but I think there is some magic that can be found. If you don't hold something with too tight of a grip. So yes. with, with, I've, you know, at this point I've put in so many reps with doing auditions and self-tapes. I kind of, I know my method. I know how I work. So if it's a quicker, simpler audition, I usually try to knock those out pretty quickly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what was, when you got the, uh, the bartender gig, like what was your, your feeling internally? Like, was that just like a, a huge confidence booster? It'd be like,
1: oh, just like, I can't imagine. 100% hundred yeah. percent. It was, I mean, it literally like three months before was when I first started having the conversations with a buddy and my, fa- my family about moving to Los Angeles. And then this happened and it was just yeah, like, uh, this is, this all makes sense. But it, I knew, I knew it would be life changing. Now, don't get me wrong. Like as a 24, 24 year old kid, you can't help but your let your ego get ahead of you, and I thought sure that it was going to lead to much more than it actually did. True, true. It did change my life, but not in the ways I was thinking. Like I was like, "Oh, I'll be on SNL the next year. This is just going to like open." And now it's just off to the races. I'm going to do movies nonstop. That's not how the business works. Like you can you can be in the one of the biggest projects in the world. And then have a year where you do nothing. It can happen. It's happened yeah. to me. You know, uh, so you just, the, the most important thing, and if anybody listening wants to get into the entertainment business or any uh, entertainment business adjacent occupation, the most important thing I think you can do these days is create some kind of artistic venture, whether it is a podcast, whether whether it is creating content, something, something, anything to Take your mind off of what you're really going for a bit because especially with auditions, if you're only focusing on mm. the next audition, you're yeah. going to grip that sucker way too tight. You're going to strangle it. You're going to kill it there, because if that's your only source of creative joy, your only source of income, your only source of making ends meet, then there, it's almost impossible not to strangle it. So yeah, you, you kind of have to yourself. you kind of have to really have something else happening
0: yeah, when you put too much pressure on yourself, you usually don't perform well
1: yep, a hundred percent
0: unless you're Michael Jordan, and <laughs> yeah right there are those cases, but very, very rarely um so you're also uh, you're doing stand up as well
1: I am, and, and you know what's funny about that is I only started stand up like seven, eight months ago.
0: Yeah because I, I just saw your uh what is it February is going to be your the first tour that you're doing.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, I I'm very fortunate I get to perform quite a bit. It's been weird, man. It's been I've been kind of thrust into it. I for years told myself that I never wanted to do stand up and and I've always loved stand up. I've always loved consuming Same it. Same. Same. Yeah, but I I always told myself I just I was like I'm just going to do sketch and improv. That's all I'm going to do but it, it was from a place of just pure intimidation. Like I, I just never wanted to do stand-up. So I was like, ah, I'm just not going to ever do stand-up. But then about eight months ago, a buddy of mine, Olin Rogers, who has an amazing uh, fan base online, he does these comedy shows around the country and he, he needed a new opener. And so he reached out to me and he had a gut feeling that based on like the character work I do and, my kind of high energy comedy, he kind of felt that it would be the perfect, perfect type of thing to hype his audience up, to get them warmed up for the very non-traditional comedy that he does. And so it was like literally out the gate, you know, I kind of bypassed all the open mics and all that kind of thing. Not that I didn't pay my dues in comedy because I've been performing live comedy through improv and sketch and all the kinds of other stuff since I was nineteen twenty, it's just I just started stand up and out the gate I'm doing twenty to thirty minute sets. So it's like oh
0: shit, twenty to thirty minutes.
1: Yeah, dude. So, but, but what's what I think you know what I, what I'm fortunate is I think I had a little bit of an advantage of all the years that I spent building that creative muscle with improv, with sketch. Yes, yes. You know, so my set is predominantly my characters and a predominantly audience interaction. And and that's mm. where my comfort zone is, is I kind of like to go up there and just flow with the energy, make people feel like they want to be involved. I mean, how many, how many comedy shows have you been to or seen clips of where, or... I can tell you for a fact, I've been to comedy shows where it's like, God, I'm like, I hope this guy doesn't pick me his energy. Like, I don't like his energy. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. Please don't pick me. That is the one thing I really don't want people to feel when they're watching me. I want people to want me to pick them. That's kind of what I know. I know what
0: you're talking about. Yeah. That's
1: what I really, I want them to feel like safe. Yeah. You know, I'm not going to pick on people. I'm not going to hurt people's feelings. I'm not, that's not the type of comedian I am, you know, but, um, so I'm fortunate that I'm doing shows with him. Now I'm also doing this, it's called the first comedy tour, February uh, 4th. We're in my hometown in Winter Haven, February 5th, we're in Wesley Chapel, but I'm doing it with another close friend of mine, Luke Knoll, who was actually an SNL cast member. And so we're kind of co-headlining a tour, kind of like tag teaming. And, you know, I just kind of like want to fill my, fill the openings in my schedule between the acting gigs, because you just never know when the next gig is going to be your boy has got to make money and um and yeah and and it also just kind of like mentally helps me a bit because you know truthfully like going from projects that I recently did like the Star Wars role and Station 19 it's like the after that is yeah yeah the only thing I can the only way I can relate to it is if you ever went to summer camp or if you ever like spin a long time with a group of people and almost created like a second family yes. and then it's over yeah that feeling is it's hard not to slip into a form of like depression um or maybe like a very light mild case of depression but yes i found it so important that i personally just have to like have something creatively that i'm looking forward to
0: they're your brothers and sisters man it's like you know you're arm in arm like you went to battle together for so long like
1: really right they would do anything
0: for you and you would do anything for them so that bond that you create when you're overnight especially like you're with these people 24 hours a day
1: and then you just have to
0: break away from it yeah part of you dies turkey cold turkey cold turkey nonetheless yeah you just don't tamper off you just (laughs) you just gotta cut ties weird yeah that's right so you said you were you were going to be intimidated like you were intimidated kind of by uh stand-up comedy what is it what gets you the most with with being intimidated by a stand-up is it just you know performing or what, something what different? did
1: intimidate me but yeah I mean yeah I, I, I well there's I um I've grown up with a very rare neurological condition that affects my speech so I think it's it's very deep-rooted in my childhood at how much i you know i think a lot of comedians have the same kind of thing like i found comedy because i used to be bullied and that that whole thing yes. so yep. it's like it was just deep rooted yeah. stuff it was just deep rooted like i don't want people to make fun of me but i have so gotten past that yeah and i've also turned i've really 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 put in the work to try to reprogram when i feel anxiety to tell myself it's excitement it's just excitement, you know, and that's really, really, really helped. And and before every stand-up show, I do also try to tell myself there's nothing at stake. There's nobody out there that's going to change my life. And likely, even if there was, it won't be what I was looking forward to. So I always try to like before every comedy show, before every intimidating situation, I try to just tell myself whatever quote unquote anxiety I think I'm feeling, it's just excitement. And there's also nothing at stake. And usually that helps me like significantly, but for years it was just purely based on intimidation because I didn't want to be made fun of, you know, I didn't want to, uh, deal with bullying or failure, but, um, I think I maybe have gotten past the point of giving, uh, a crap about failing. Like I don't, uh, I'm so used to rejection in this business at this point. You kind of get, you. It's it's like it's another muscle you have to build, or Agreed. you won't make it in this business.
0: Yeah, you're you're a weathered vet by now.
1: <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. a weathered <laughs> rejection
0: vet. <laughs> Which I mean, at face value, to to people, it, it might sound bad, but it's not. With failure comes opportunity. You know, you learn, you're going to fail at everything you do. Yes, man. They're learning opportunities. So get better. Like if you were the, if you were always doing good at something, you would just be mediocre. You don't know what failure means. You can't grow from that. You'll never be great because you don't know what that is. You d- just be good. So I'm trying to, to think about like, if you nail this, this comedy thing, like man, <laughs> some doors are going to open because you're getting mm. 30 minutes. Like that is so much time to like, it's a
1: lot of time. Show yourself what you can do. I mean, what an opportunity, right? Yeah. It's been really beautiful. And, and truthfully, like it's grown my confidence quite a bit, you know, cause anything, anything that you you like kind of put off or you're intimidated by or like even a sh- stupid example is like skydiving. Like that's something I'm, going to never do but some people do it (laughs) and they used to be they they were intimidated by it but when you do it you 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 aren't anymore and you know so doing stand-up has made me grow so much in confidence in so many ways and yeah I mean it might it might open new doors that I wasn't even expecting and with so many different avenues and I think the thing that I'm just excited the most about doing stand up, um, you get to a place with improv and, and sketch in Los Angeles, like especially, that I feel like I, I love it. I'll never stop loving improv or sketch or wanting to do those kinds of shows. But it's tough because there's just only so much you can do with that out here, you know, like with improv and sketch specifically. And I want to do so much more with comedy in my career. Like I've always been so inspired by the Robin Williams and like the, the Dane cooks and all these people that were able to do such big things with comedy and also into film. And that's, that's what I want to do. Like I want to, I want to be so different too. Like I, I, there's so many people doing stand up, terrifically, but they're doing it kind of the same way. Right, and I really want people to come to my shows and and be like, "Damn, that wasn't like anything I've ever seen." I may not know what I saw, but like, <laughs> I know that that was a good time, and it was unlike anything I've ever seen.
0: You're unique. You want to be a standout, and you're going to be natural. You're going to do something that feels right to you, and and the the crowd will feed off of that. Yeah, that's the game plan. You brought up Dane Cook, so like one of the very first instances i can remember like cry laughing for hours was one of dane coke's cds me and my ex-girlfriend were in her in her driveway and we threw that on and just Mm. listened to his whole special from beginning to end just crying laughing it was so damn funny man
1: yeah. I mean, there's a reason he blew up as big as he did. He was undeniable. Like you, you to with comedy or with anything in this entertainment business. You have to be undeniable. You got to put the work in like you got to be different to stand out. You know, um, he he was undeniable. He still is. He's still very talented. Um, you saw Did you see Robin
0: Williams do some of his stand up, I hope. In person or not in person? Just some of his. Uh, I have stories. a fun story
1: though. I actually did see him do improv oh, in person. Did you really? I did in 2014 oh, man. In my improv theater in Los Angeles. I had just got done doing an improv show at uh, so it was IO IO West in Los Angeles. There were multiple stages, and there so I was doing a show on the backstage theater, and I walk out of my show, and a buddy texts me. He's like, "Come to the front stage, Robin Williams just." showed up there's no way he showed up basically walked backstage and and the team that was going on stage he was like can i perform with you guys and they were like uh yeah a hundred percent so i watched uh over an hour of him performing with this improv team it with in front of like 30 people
0: wow and then intimate. when the show
1: was finished I was like, I know he's going to head out the back door. And I was like, I'm not usually the type of person that likes to bother celebrities or ask them for pictures. I just don't really give a shit, but I knew he'd be heading out the back door. And I also knew I have to get my picture with him. I have to get my picture. With him. So <laughs> I, I went to the back and I got my picture with him, but I also, what was really cool this is this really cool. And also kind of bittersweet. I took footage from that evening. And I posted it on YouTube the next day and it immediately started blowing up so much so, in fact, that his his uh, agents and managers reached out to the theater and kindly asked the owner if I would remove it. The owner reached out and she kindly asked me, she's like, would you mind taking this down? His people want, want it to be removed. And she's like, and if you do that the next time that he comes, I'll make sure you get to perform with him. Whoa. And then Whoa. unfortunately, six months later, <laughs> no he 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 was no longer with us. Oh uh, man. But I still got to meet him. Yes. He's one of my biggest comedy inspirations. And not many people get to say that, so it's a huge blessing.
0: Yeah, man, S- same here. Robin Williams, like, because what you were saying, what you want to do at your shows, really reminded me of what he used to do. Like, people wanted to be involved when he would just go around the crowd. Like, he would actually walk mm-hmm. and tables and stuff, and everyone wanted to be involved because he was. Uh uh-huh. huh. Yeah, man, he was so good. He was like such a. It seemed like he was such a loving person. And really, 100%. really
1: damn funny, man.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. So, is is that your favorite comedian?
1: I would say so. I mean, I'm definitely like. He's probably up there at the top of the list, but a very close second would be Jim Carrey, Chris Farley. Yeah, we're you know, in the, the same these, ballpark, man. Yep, these guys <laughs> inspired me. Like I, yes. uh, you know, they're they're my heroes.
0: Yeah, you can't say comedy without Jim Carrey being born. Absolutely, we born, right? Every movie, like he was, he changed the game. It seemed like oh, in some yes. aspects,
1: absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, what is your Roadmap of content look like like are there any like major goals that you would like to have achieved by like let's say a five years like what does that uh, look like f- for you?
1: yeah, five years, I definitely wanna be making my own features um, that's something that's already in the works um amazing, but like short term um I'm developing a podcast gonna i'm gonna be probably. I'm likely going to be putting out a lot more content than I ever have before. And I put out something almost on a daily basis, but (laughs) uh, in in the sense of, I want to document my life more, um, you know, I might start putting out kind of like a video blog type thing. Um, But definitely like on the short term, there's a podcast that I'm developing long-term five years. I want to be making my own features. Great. I will be, let's manifest. You will be, I will be, I will be.
0: Speaking of manifest, what do you, what do you believe about that? You think that's completely true? The manifesting? Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. I, I just, I think, you know, because we've gotten deep, I'll keep getting a little deep here. I think we're all energy. I think everything is connected. That's my personal belief. I think, you know, we're all part of the entire picture. So I am a firm believer on a very small scale, the type of energy you put out is the type of energy that comes back.
0: Oh, completely. You know, I
1: think I think if you're a good person, you know, good will come back to you. Um, and so the same thing goes to say, whatever you speak, that whole speak comes into existence, type of thing. I, I believe it. I but I I think some people do it a little wrong, in my opinion. I think some people say, "I want, I want, I want," instead yes. of saying, "I already have." It's already, it already is happening. You know what I mean? I think that small yes. change in manifestation makes a big difference. Um, I've seen it happen for me.
0: I was um, going to ask, was there a moment when your mind kind of shifted to that? Uh, always been.
1: I've kind of been more open-minded to it over the past 10 years. I think I, you know, I'm not sitting here saying that I every day am manifesting vocally, but I believe in it. And there are certain things that happen creatively in my life. Like I'll get an audition for the star Wars audition, for example, crazy that when, when I got that audition and I did the tape, I started vocally saying that day I already booked it. I already booked it. Like, and I don't do that about many things because I also think with the universe might sound funny, but don't get greedy. I mean, maybe not get greedy. I don't know. Maybe you can be. Who knows? There's no rule book to it. Um, I just know I like to try to give and take. Like I like to try to give as much to the world as I like to take. And for me, I give, I try to give laughter to people. I try to give content. I try to give as much of my heart and my entertainment to people as I possibly can. Um, And then there's other ways I try to give as well. So that when I need to take, there's space, if that makes sense.
0: No, it does make sense. I have a uh, a weird story about giving. I want to hear giving. it. Yeah. So I was driving and there was a homeless person and I felt so bad. And I'm like, man, this guy looks like he's really going through it. So I gave him 20 bucks and didn't think anything of it. I was like, man, just go get a warm meal, whatever. Here's $20. Went on my way. Later that week, my buddy asked me to go to the casino and, you know, just to go mess around and play a little craps for a couple hours. So uh-huh. we went there. We, we spent one hour there and they have these bonuses on craps, which is like astronomical to hit. I mean, obviously you can hit it, but it's really hard. We uh-huh. hit the bonuses back to back, which is wow. never been heard of. And the table wins out when you hit those bonuses. If you're betting on this particular thing, which me and him were. And I ended up walking with forty three hundred dollars home. Oh my god, that's yeah. Amazing. He walked he walked home with twenty three hundred dollars. It's amazing. So like that, I was always open minded, always a believer about what you put out, you'll return. But that was kind of like the moment when I everything just like made sense. I was like, oh my god, oh my god, because I I I knew what I did at the beginning of the week, giving twenty dollars to somebody. And then, in whatever form, like whatever happened, something good happened to me.
1: Yeah, and I think the reason it probably did happen to you is uh, by the sounds of it, you weren't the type of person's like did this thing and filmed it and posted. it. I can't stand that (laughs) stuff, man. (laughs) That's the same here. You know, it's like it's such like like, just do the thing without needing to get the feedback or the. I love that you said that. Yes, I I think that that's such ingenuine. It's giving. really
0: for themselves. It's not for, like, for people. Yeah, they're Absolutely. doing it for them. Their and ego. I
1: get the I get the motivation behind it, but I think if people were, you know, giving more without, you know, just keep it to yourself. Watch what happens. You know, not. But it's it's interesting because you shouldn't give with the intention. Of I'm hoping to get something in return. That is a factor, obviously. It goes without saying, but it's like you we have to work on that muscle of giving without uh I I really need something good to happen to me. So I'm gonna go find a homeless person to give some twenty bucks to. You know, I think it should just come from I wanna give back. I need to give back. I need to fill my soul bucket of uh, you know, because I've taken a lot lately. And so uh I'm gonna help out this person or I'm gonna I'm going to kill myself at my comedy show to make sure these people have a good time, or whatever it may be. You know. Yeah, yeah.
0: It's unfortunate that the some of the thought process has become that. Yeah. And do you think it's become that because of all of the content on social media that is like that? So now other people are kind of gravitating toward that because they're seeing likes and reshare. Absolutely,
1: that's a part yeah. of it for sure. I think that yeah. people see that sucks. the action it gets, and some people. <laughs> I mean, I hate to sound negative and mean, but like it is. It's fact. It is what it is. Some people are very small minded and not realizing like, hey, they're only doing that because you're commenting. Oh, my God, you're such a good person. (laughs) They're only doing it for that reason. Yes.
0: Some like
1: sure. There may be some instances where these are actually genuinely good people, but I argue that if they were genuinely good people, they wouldn't have posted about it. You wouldn't have it all orchestrated out. Absolutely. Right. Some of the, um,
0: I remember when there were riots going on and some of the influencers would like have their boyfriend or girlfriend videotape them for like two seconds to like go hold a hammer up by like boarding so up So stupid. Wall, right? And then just hop back in their car and be done with it. Like that's crazy to me.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: It's legitimately crazy to me seeing that. Yeah. <laughs> But Shane, you keep doing you, man. You're, you're putting out content. Oh man, you too. You are genuine. You you're a great person. I'm excited for you, man. Like, Thank you, dude. You've had a, a robust career up to this point and you're still <laughs> so young, right?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. I think that, you know, uh, I'm excited about what's, what's coming up and I appreciate you taking the time to bring me on your show, man. Yeah. Thanks for saying yeah. And coming on, man. Blessing me. I appreciate it. I love doing of course. It Let's that. do this again soon.
0: Yeah, I learned so much. Um, Go ahead and shout out your Instagram shows you got coming up, content you got coming out.
1: Sure, sure. Yeah, just search Shane Hartline. Um, You'll find me pretty easily on socials. February 4th, I'm in Winter Haven, Florida. Uh, February 5th, Wesley Chapel, Florida. Past that, you can find out all my shows and all the other things about me at ShaneHartline.com. Awesome. Shane Hartline, the best actor out there. That's right. the
0: funniest comedian ever. Thanks, man. <laughs> I appreciate it. Take care, Shane. Everyone at home. Bye-bye.